0: Called how not to be your own worst enemy. And why have we done this? We want to help to break the bad habits that define our lives. We all have bad habits in our life that define our lives. So we wanted to create a series that would help you, set you up for the year to make better decisions. And the New Year's resolutions, on average, last six weeks. But our prayer for this series that This series won't just set you up for the next six weeks or six months, but actually this will set you up for the next six years and even the next 60 years. So this is our prayer that if we get what is being said, if we take into consideration, if we take the first step in this journey, this could change the rest of our lives. We don't want to be our own worst enemy. And we're going to lay the foundation today on how we can build great, healthy habits And we're going to title this today, Self-Alliance. We're going to be Self-Alliance. And I want to ask possibly a question that we all know the answer to. Have you ever been your own worst enemy? And everyone said, yes. At one point, we have all been our own worst enemy. When I was my own worst enemy, we were a bit younger. Me and Anna were part of a team, and we were having a team party. So at the end of the year, we thought, we'll celebrate, we'll have a team party. So we get ready, we look nice, we smell nice, Anna does her makeup, we buy a gift, we travel 30, more than 30 minutes to get to this house. And we thought, right, we'll be good leaders, we'll arrive early, we'll welcome everyone in, we'll be great, okay? So we arrive, we get a good car parking space because that's always important. So we get there, we arrive at the front door and we're like, oh, we actually made it early. I know we say often, yes, this be early, and we never do, especially when your wife is putting on makeup, you're never early. And that is an example of how to be your own worst enemy in your marriage. Don't blame your wife in front of over 100 people. Okay, that's some free advice for you. So we get to this door, we're actually early for a change. We get to this door, we knock. Looking good, smelling good, ready for a party. And then the person opens the door and they're in their loungewear. And he's holding a Hoover. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we're early. It's grab, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, you're 24 hours early. And I'm like, (laughs) very funny, I know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, you are a full day early. So we go in, have some small talk, and then we have to go home and do it all again the next day. So we have to get dressed and nice. We have to put our makeup on, buy another gift drive, another 30 minutes, knock on the door, and do that all over again. Because I thought I knew better than the calendar. I'll keep it in here. And then when we got to the party, everyone was reminded how we arrived 24 hours early. So we wasted our time. We wasted their time because we ended up interrupted their cleaning time. Then we wasted fuel. We wasted money on two gifts. And whose fault was it? It was mine. All my fault because I got the date wrong. And maybe you have stories like that where you can laugh and you're like, oh, silly. I'm so silly. Oh, look at me. But actually, sometimes we're our own worst enemy when it comes to our finances. When it comes to our relationships or careers and maybe it hasn't turned out and you're laughing about it maybe it's turned out horribly because you've been your own worst enemy and we can all become our own worst enemy and i know this because you and i have participated in all of our bad decisions you were present in a hundred percent of the bad decisions that you made there's this amazing tv show from belfast called the blame game And basically the blame game is you've got four comedians and they're asked the question, who is to blame for X, Y, or Z? And then they have a bit of fun and they complain about life and whatever. But it's so true for life. We complain and we point fingers and we love to blame other people if they had done this or if they had done that. We love to point fingers and blame. But there's people around us that we try and blame and we push away. But we become our own worst enemy when we discount advice from those who see it. There's people around us and they can see us becoming our own worst enemy. And we're good at this. We can see other people becoming their own worst enemy. We can see their problems coming a mile away, but we miss our problems when they're right in our face. So true to be able to speak about someone else's, they're gonna mess up. (laughs) Look how they're messing their lives up. And we so easily blame others and comment on others. But actually, we discount advice from those who see it in our life. And that will help us become our own worst enemy. And maybe you know this, that wise voices set you up for wise choices. Maybe you're a parent in here and you've told your children this growing up. Be careful who you hang around with. We tell our young people, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's a good thing or a bad thing. But wise voices set you up for wise choices. And our goal, our prayer for this series, that we want to help you walk in your extraordinary purpose for 2024. We don't want you to become your own worst enemy. We want what is best for you. We want to see you thrive in 2024. And how we can do that is through developing healthy habits and listening to wise voices, and we will see the direction of our lives change. So we have to do our part with the healthy habits and listen to the wise voices around us. Because wise voices lead to wise choices. And maybe you know this, we're starting the year off. Private decisions have public consequences. Maybe you're seeing all those motivational videos and it's like, Be the better you, work out this year, eat healthy. Be strong and maybe you've seen it before this motivational video and it says it takes four weeks for you to notice a difference it takes eight weeks for your family to notice a difference it takes 12 weeks for the world to notice a difference but it's because there's private decisions that have been made just like being healthy those four weeks then you will notice a difference and then in eight weeks the public consequences will be seen because you'll be leaner you'll be stronger and just like in our spiritual life, private decisions have public consequences. What we do behind closed doors, what we do when we're by ourselves, what we do in our own personal lives will have public consequences. And that's because of the healthy habits that we create in private. And here's the truth today. Every habit begins with a first time. Every pattern begins with the first line. And every journey begins with a first step. How do we begin habits? It begins with a first time. What habits have you got in your life? Maybe they're healthy, maybe they're unhealthy. It started with a first time. Maybe there's a pattern in your life. It started with a first line. And every journey begins with a first step. And the first step in the journey to not being your own worst enemy is to understand these two things. Firstly, that God is your ally. What is an ally? An ally is a person That provides assistance and support in an ongoing effort, activity, or struggle. That sounds like life, doesn't it? Ongoing effort and struggle. That's what life sounds like. But God is your ally. He is on your side. And maybe you've come in here thinking God is mad at you. I want you to know that God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He is for you. He is not against you. So we need to understand that God is our ally. His love is towards us. He is for you. He is in your corner. And the second thing we need to understand is you need to be your ally also. You need to help yourself. We need to recognize and take responsibility in 2024. So we allow God to do what only he can do and then we do what only we can do. And this year you can become your best friend by getting into the Word of God. And this is why God's Word is such a valuable resource. Because not only is it holy, but it's incredibly helpful too. It's not just this ancient and irrelevant book. Maybe you're not a Christ follower today. And you think the Bible's ancient. It's not relevant for today. How can an old book speak to me today? Or maybe you're a Christ follower and you know that it is hopeful and helpful. If you've never read the Bible or you're doubting faith or you've just come with questions and you think the Bible is ancient and irrelevant, I want to ask you today, would you be open today? Would you be open to hearing from the word of God? Would you be open to believing that the Bible is hopeful and helpful? It's not just a pie in the sky hope, but it's helpful on how we can live our lives each and every day. So if you're a Christ follower in here or not, we would love to encourage you to download the Bible app. There's an incredible Bible app called the Version Bible app. If you scan the QR code, it will take you to the Version Bible app. And on that, if you've already downloaded it, you can select Lighthouse as your church. Maybe you call Lighthouse home. You can go on the app and select, yes, I select Lighthouse Dublin as my church. But also each and every week, you can find the notes from my message. So if you want to follow along and read the notes as I go along, you can find that on the Bible app. So if you haven't downloaded it, you can scan that QR code. It will take you to the app store and you can download it there. Or if you've already downloaded it, this will take you to our notes every week. So why not download it? Maybe you thought, well, I have no need for it. Or I prefer the paper Bible. But if you download it, you'll have it everywhere you go. And we believe, as Christ followers, that it is hopeful and helpful. And by scanning this QR code, it could change your life by simply downloading the Bible, reading it, and taking it in. So as we jump into our message today, we're going to look at three ways that we can ally ourselves with God. Because God is our ally, and we need to ally ourselves as well. So here's three ways that we can ally ourselves with God. The first way is holiness. And a simple definition is this to avoid evil and to pursue God. This is a simple definition to avoid evil and pursue God. When we pursue to live with God and for God, we experience God living with us and for us. You know this if you're a Christ follower, we don't have to run after God. Because God is already running after us. So when we pursue to live with Him and for Him, we experience Him living with us and for us. And we're going to read a few passages in the book of 1 Peter today. And there's a book called 1 Peter, but there's also a book called 2 Peter. And you'll never guess who wrote those books. It's right, it was Peter. So his name was Peter, and he was a fisherman. And that was his job. And then Jesus invited him to be... A disciple. So he followed Jesus and followed him and watched everything that he said and he done. But he wasn't perfect. He was like me and you. And he actually denied Jesus. He was asked three times, do you know him? And three times he said no. But yet even in his imperfection, God used him to start churches and to spread the gospel around the world and do some incredible things. And this letter of First Peter was written... In Rome, so Peter was in Rome, to scattered Christians that were around. So he wrote this letter. And if we could sum up this letter, it would be this. You have hope because of Jesus. So no matter what you're facing, because these Christians were scattered, they were away from their home, no matter if it was going well for them or bad for them, they can have hope because of Jesus. Jesus has a promise and a plan for you. So today you can have hope Because of Jesus. So we're going to see what Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. And he says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We're going to jump back up to verse 14. It says, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. It shows us this battle of the flesh and the spirit that's living for myself or living with God. Those evil desires that I used to have or these godly desires that I have. And sometimes we jump to our own defense. I know I've done it before. It says that we had evil thoughts. And we jump to our defense and say, I don't have evil thoughts. I'm not an evil person. They might, might not be perfect thoughts, but they're definitely not evil thoughts. And we try and defend ourselves. But what Peter is trying to say here is anything that is not of God, so God is holy, anything that isn't holy is evil. Anything that isn't evil is holy. And he's trying to make this separation between God is holy. And if we want our own desires, that is evil. Mar- Mary Craft said this. She's a writer from the 17th century. She said, no man chooses evil because it is evil. He only mistakes it for happiness, the good that he seeks. If you think about an evil person and all the evil that they did, why did they do it? It's because that they wanted the world the way they wanted it. They wanted it to be there preference and they didn't care about anyone else but they pursued what they wanted so because they pursued what they wanted it was evil because maybe they had to kill people to do it maybe they had to get rid of a whole race maybe they had what they had to do they didn't care what they had to do because they wanted their preference but to them it wasn't evil they mistook it for happiness oh if I have my way if I have My country looking the way I want it. If I get rid of these people, well then I'll be happy because that's the way I want it. So what Peter's trying to say is God is holy and if it's not of God, then it's evil. So when we fight this desire of ourselves and of God, we're fighting this battle of holiness versus evil. And we know this, that holiness happens when you're in proximity to God. When you're close to God, holiness happens happens. You grow in holiness. And you know this if you're a parent. We become more like those we spend time with. If you've got a child in here, you have probably told your child at one point, my parents have told me, don't hang out with that person. They're not a good family. So we know this, but we become more like those we spend our time with. So as parents, we want our children to spend time with the people that we want them to be like. And we know this as adults, whoever we spend our time with, good, bad, and ugly, we will become more like them. So if we're in proximity to God and God is holy, then we become more holy when we're in proximity to God. When your motive is to be nearer to God, you will be more holy because God is holy. So if we want to rub off some good characteristics, we spend some time with certain people. But if we want to be holy, We want to be nearer to God because he is holy. And maybe you've got this weird idea of holiness. Maybe you just think one day a halo comes upon your head or when you're a certain age or you've been a Christian for X amount of years and you think all of a sudden you just become holy. But actually holiness is not being passive. It's about pursuing God in everything. Pursuing God in your decisions, in your family, in your work, in your future, in your finances. It's about pursuing God. It's not about being passive and waiting for it to happen. It's about pursuing God in everything that you do. And as Christ followers, holiness is the goal of our calling, is to be more like Jesus. So this is our goal. This is what we're aiming for. Holiness is the goal of our calling. We're called to be more like Jesus? How can we be more like Jesus? To be holy. So one way we can allow ourselves this year is to be holy. Secondly, we can hunger. What is, how do we define hunger? Simply we can say having a spiritual appetite for God and his word. This is how we can be hungry. Do we have a spiritual appetite for his word? What we hunger for eventually becomes what we fill ourselves with. And what we fill ourselves with is what we eventually become. What are you hungering for? What are you aiming for in life? That's what you fill yourself with. And what you fill yourself with, you become. And as human beings, we are all hungry. We have this inner urge. But we need to develop a hunger for the things of God. How can we use the hunger that we already have in ourselves and develop a hunger for God physically we all have a hunger physically we all get hungry and naturally we go for the wrong thing so if I put two pitchers up where are your eyes going we all have a hunger someone shouted to the right they're definitely on a clean eating 2024 20, but you know this you have a hunger what is your natural urge to go for it is this beautiful bun Topped with cheese, topped with meat, topped with sauce, topped with onions, topped with more cheese, and in a beautiful bun with sesame seeds, and some fries, and a thick shake, and everything. That is what we go towards. We have a natural hunger, but we need to develop a hunger for healthy things, too. Because if we ate this all the time, we wouldn't be healthy. But we need our fruit and veg, we need our, all our carbohydrates, all those fancy things, So we need to develop a hunger for healthy things. I've been told, as I'm becoming a parent this year, that I need to start eating more vegetables because if I don't eat vegetables, our child won't eat vegetables. So I have to build a hunger this year to eat vegetables. At the minute I would eat this, this. I would take a bite out of that just to prove that I've progressed, but I'm not touching those, and I'm not touching those. But it's all about growth we're all we're going to get there so we all have this hunger but we need to choose to develop it so like spiritually we have this hunger and we want to do what we want to do we have that hunger for us to succeed but we need to develop a hunger for the things of God so we have a hunger to chase what we want but we need to develop a hunger for the things of God if he is to be our ally and Peter says something about this in first Peter 2 1 to 4 so he says therefore rid yourselves of all malice of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So let's do our new year clear out. Let's get rid of everything here. And then it says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you have come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. A sure sign of spiritual health is an appetite for God and the things of God. Just like a newborn baby, when a newborn baby has an appetite to eat, then that is a good sign of health. So the midwife and the nurse are happy because the baby is craving milk. But the opposite is true. If we don't have a hunger for God, perhaps something is off. Again, like a newborn baby, if the newborn baby doesn't want to drink, well then the midwife and the nurses will flag up an issue because the baby should want to eat. So there's something else. So spiritually, if we don't have a hunger for God, as Christ follower, well, something is off. But we know this, we live life. And there's many ways we can lose hunger for God's word. Whether it's by being busy. We're all busy. Christmas was mental, going to pl- place to place, party to party, gift to gift, all that. We become busy. We have good intentions in January when we set all our goals in the first week when we're off work and it's a bit quiet so we think I have all this time in the world and then life happens and then we get busy and then we get distracted. There's other things that come into our life that distract us from God's word. Some of those things might be good. Some of those things might be family and relationships and serving but sometimes they can be a distraction and we can lose our hunger. For God's word, or we can also be influenced by the wrong things. Who you're running with is where you're running to. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because you can be influenced by the wrong things. That you might think you need to be at work all the time. So the people surrounding yourself are saying you need to work, 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 because you need to get that pay rise and you need to do this. And yes, it's great to provide for family, but if you're surrounding yourself with workaholics, Well, then you're going to get so immersed in work that you actually don't have time for church. You don't have time to serve. You don't have time even to read the word of God. And yes, there are great things, but even great things get in the way and we can be influenced by the wrong things. A word that Peter says, he says this, he says, we are to crave it. And he says, why? It's because the Lord is good. Why do we crave the word of God? Because the Lord is good. If you're a Christ follower in here and maybe you've, lost that hunger for God's Word. I want you to remember the goodness of God. You've experienced it before. When we remember the goodness of God, it's a great way to get that hunger back, to crave the Word of God, because we remember all the times that God was good to us. And if you're not a Christ follower in here, I want you to know that God is good. God is with you. God is for you. And when you experience God your life will never be the same and yes life gets in the way and we get distracted but we are so madly in love and we crave the word of God because we've experienced God's goodness and it's a daily effort it's a daily pattern it's a daily habit that we need to take on so that we don't become distracted that we don't become busy that we don't get influenced by the wrong things but we keep that craving that we had why because we remember the goodness of God And this word crave, maybe you've been pregnant or you know someone pregnant. When I hear the word crave, I think of pregnancy. Because when you're pregnant, women get these cravings. And the only way to get rid of the cravings is to give them what they're craving. You can't just say, no, no, it's okay. It'll get better. I'll give you this instead of that. No, the only way to get rid of the craving is to give them what they are craving. Maybe you've learned the hard way. Maybe you say, ah, oh, it's fine. But no, then you've discovered the hard way that actually the only way to get rid of those is to go and get that craving fulfilled. So I have all this to come. I'm super excited. Hopefully it's a normal craving, like a glass of water or something. I'll just go down and hand it to her. And be great. But it probably won't be like that. So when we crave, as, as pregnant women crave, the only way to fulfill that craving is to have that. And it's like the word of God. When we hunger for God... He satisfies our needs. When we, when we crave his word, when we crave spending time with God, when we hunger for him, he satisfies our needs. It's not like when you go into a restaurant and you expect a leaf full and actually you leave and you're like, oh, I'm still hungry. Or maybe you learned the hard way and you didn't give your pregnant wife that thing she was craving and then they got angry and it wasn't worth the effort. But when we hunger for God, he satisfies all our needs. He satisfies your needs so you can rely on him because he satisfies all our needs. So maybe you're a Christ follower and you think, God's not worth it. If I go my own way, if I work hard, if I hunger for the things that I want, then I will be able to satisfy myself. But if you've lived long enough, you know that there's nothing that you can do to fully be Satisfied, But I want you to know today that if you begin a relationship with God, that he will satisfy all your needs. That emptiness that you feel inside, that missing piece, that oh, life is nearly perfect, but there's just something out of reach. God will satisfy every desire in your heart. So let this year be the year that you crave God and the things of God. Let's crave God together. And another phrase Peter uses is this. He says, grow up. As your parents ever told you that phrase, you need to grow up. People, your parents are still saying that. Even if you've moved out of the house, even if you're over 30 years old, your parents can still say, grow up. And maybe you need it said to you like that today. That you need to grow up. Peter says that he wants you to grow up in your salvation. But maybe today we want to help you not to be your own worst enemy. But maybe you just need a kick. Maybe you just need to be told to grow up. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life and you're missing out on it. God loves you and cares for you. And you're just living life and going through the emotions and being your own worst enemy, but you need to grow up because God has more for you. God has a plan and a perfect plan for you. He knows you and loves you. So today, maybe that's for you and you just need to grow up. Maybe you need it said explicitly like that, grow up. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you're sitting beside someone that you need to tell them to grow up. Don't do it now. Don't do it. Tell them when you get home. But maybe that's for you today. Maybe you just need to be told explicitly, grow up. Now is the time to crave God and to step into all the plans that God has for you. Why don't you allow God to satisfy and to fill you today? Give him a chance. What is there to lose? So the three ways we allow ourselves with God, we've looked at holiness, we've looked at hunger, and the third thing is humility. And a short definition of humility is humility removes me and makes room for others. It removes me and makes room for others. And as we're going to read from Peter, it says humility invites the favor of God. Who doesn't want the favor of God in their life? Who doesn't want God on their side? But we need to be humble and it invites the favor of God. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 6. He says this, all of you, clothe yourself with humility. So it's a choice. We clothe ourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Again, it's this battle of what God wants and what I want—the spirit and the flesh—and it's, am I going to be proud? Or am I going to be humble? And we have this misunderstanding of humility. But understand that humility is not a weak thing. Instead, it is the strongest thing that you can do. Sometimes you're so proud and we want things our way. We've got our plan. We've got our direction. But to be humble removes me and gives space for someone else. That we humble ourselves. And actually by doing that, you might think, well, I might lose out. If I don't put myself forward, how will I get anywhere in life? But as we humble ourselves, as we put love God and love our neighbor, as we put others before ourselves, we invite the favor of God. And I know in here, story after story after story, of how people have stepped back, allowed God to move in, and he has satisfied their need, and he has invited the favor of God. And how do you explain that to someone? How do you explain to someone, I didn't have to work hard. I didn't have to be friends with the right people. All I had to do was be humble, and the favor of God was there. And humility does two things. Humility admits, and humility accepts. Humility admits their need for help. Maybe this balance of pride and humility, maybe you're a proud person. Maybe you don't want to admit that you need help. I can do this by myself. I've got enough money in the bank. I've got the people that I need. And you think you can do it in your own strength. But humility admits need for help. We all need help. But it also accepts help from others. We need to accept help from others. We are a family and each member of the family has a different role and different strengths. So when we come together, we don't need to do it alone. We've got God on our side. We've got the church around us. We've got the right relationships around us. And we can accept that help and I want you to know that you don't have to do life alone you don't have to be proud and say I can do it myself I don't need any help and instead of being humble and saying I accept help and admit that I need help that you're proud and it's like I don't want help but I want you to know you don't have to live life alone each next month we're going to begin our new season of connect groups and we meet all throughout the week we've got different groups for different people And we would love you to join one of those groups. We want you to get in community. We we don't want you to do life alone. We want you to be humble, accept you might need help and admit that you need help from others. So I'd say joining a connect group is sometimes a humbling experience because in that group, you may be vulnerable. You may be just joining the group, accepting help from others. We position ourselves, when we join a group, to grow and accept help from others. So throughout this series that we're going to do in January, how are you going to position yourself to hear from God? How are you going to position yourself not to be your own worst enemy? But by being in a connect group and joining and being committed, you position yourself to grow as a person, to grow spiritually, to grow emotionally. If there's a healthy group, maybe grow physically as well. Or if there's an eating group, you can grow physically too. And accept help from others. There's story after story of our connect groups, of how there's been someone in need and their connect group have went above and beyond and met that need. So sometimes as the pastors of the church, we don't even hear about some of the needs because before it gets to us, their connect group is sorted. And then we hear the story of how this connect group has jumped in and helped this person out. So that's why our connect groups are special because the people in it are there for you and they want to be with you. So position yourself. How are you going to position yourself? We have this saying about connect groups. When you're having a bad week, you need your connect group. And when you're having a good week, your connect group needs you. We want you to join our connect groups, whether it's a good week or a bad week. Either you need your connect group or your connect group needs you. So, humility positions us to be lifted up by God. Peter said it in the first that when we position ourselves in humility, God can lift us up. But we can position ourselves to be stuck, to hold on to the things that we want. So, then when God tries to lift us up, we're holding on to the things that we want, holding on to the past, holding on to our effort, our ability. And how can we position ourselves to be lifted up by God by letting go of what we want and positioning ourselves to what God wants for our lives? So I want to ask the question, where do you need to humble yourself in 2024? Is there a part of your life that you are holding on to because maybe it's a talent? Maybe it's the money in the bank. Maybe it's a friendship and you think, if I keep this friendship, if I keep this money, if I do this, well, then I'll be able to propel myself forward but what happens if you let that go position yourself humble yourself so that God can lift you up and imagine together how would you want God to lift you up in 2024 dream a little what would you want to see God do in your life he wants to lift you up but maybe you're holding on to something Or maybe it is pride. I've earned this money. I've put all the hard work and effort into building this skill. I need this. But God wants you to humble yourself, give it to him, and the favor of God will be upon your life. And as I come to close, I want to ask this question today. Will you take this first step in the journey to not being your own worst enemy? Today is the first Sunday of a new year, the first week of a series, will you take this first step in the journey to becoming your own worst enemy? And to take that step, we need to understand these two things, that God is your ally, and you need to be your ally also, that God is in your corner, God has got you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And secondly, you need to be your ally also, You need to do what you do. You need to be the one to let go of that. Yes, God can get rid of that and then you'll be dependent on him. But in humility, we need to be our ally. We need to do what we can do. We need to pursue him towards holiness. We need to stir up that hunger for him. We need to let go of things that we can then become humble. So God is your ally. He is for you and not against you. But this year, we also need to be our ally. This is, our, this is how we can take our first step into becoming or not to become our own worst enemy. And we've said time and time again throughout this message, God's Word is such a valuable resource. Not only is it holy, but it is helpful. The Word of God is helpful and can change your life. So I want to throw out a challenge to you today. Why not start 2024 by increasing your Bible reading? Maybe you're a Christ follower and you've got an incredible habit of reading the Bible daily. And there's things that we do as Lighthouse Church that help us read the Bible. It's called SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And we use that to help us read and understand the Bible. Or maybe you're a Christ follower in here and you've been distracted this year. You've been too busy this year. That you've got you've lost that hunger for the Word of God. I wanna challenge you. Why not start by increasing your Bible reading? Maybe you do it once a month. Why not twice this month? Maybe it's once a week, why not a few times this week? Why not every day? When you join the Bible plan when you join the U Version Bible app and you accept us as your church. We can see all the plans that people are joining, what people are searching up. So it helps us to create series because we know what you're reading. We can see the trends of what you're looking for. We can't see every detail. So it's not like we can see that Alex read the Bible for two minutes today. We We don't see all that information. We see what you're searching. Maybe it's better decisions. Maybe it's how to build faith relationships so we can help that helps us plan for our series but when you join we can see what people have started bible plans and there's so many people this year that have started a bible plan that goes through the whole bible in one year so every single day they're going to read a few chapters of the bible so there's some people in here that have already accepted that challenge i want to read more of god's word but maybe you're not a christ follower in here And maybe at the start, you scan the QR code thinking, I'll download it anyway. What's the harm? Maybe you've never read it before in your life. Maybe you think it is that old, ancient, irrelevant book. I want you to know today that it's hopeful and helpful. That it's not just a book that you have to read, but I say it will help you for life. It will help you not to become your own worst enemy. So if you need help Download the app. You can chat to our Next Steps team in the foyer. You can chat to me. You can chat to the person that you came with. How I get, where do I start with reading the Bible? But we said this before. How do we get into it? Every habit begins with the first time. Every pattern begins with the first line. And every journey begins with a first step. So how do we create a habit of Bible reading? Do it for the first time. How do we begin a pattern? We, be, we begin by reading the first line and how do we start this journey to not become our own worst enemy we take the first step and as i close let's dream for a moment what would your life look like if you took the first step in the journey to not being your own worst enemy and we're not talking six weeks like your new year's resolution what would your life look like in six years in 2030 what would your life look like in 60 years if you took this first step, that you will allow God to be your ally, and that you will ally yourself? 2024 is full of potential, full of possibilities, but are you going to take that first step into becoming your own worst enemy?